This is Jared Fishman, and you're listening to the 20-Sided Gamified Podcast. The past 20 years, I've blended games and education together in the classroom. I'm a history teacher, a game-based learning specialist, and I serve on the board of HMGS NextGen Inc. and the North American Simulations and Games Association. I'm looking to broaden my own knowledge of game-based learning by talking to the people that do it best. Pull up a chair, get your dice ready, and enjoy the ride. All right, everybody. Good morning. Your uh, familiar host is here. So Jared's here. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, If I seem a little off today, it's because, again, some of you know I live in Connecticut. I did battle with a squirrel this morning who my wife and I found that our uh, little seed bell that is meant for the birds um, in one of our trees here. And a squirrel decided that it was going to make that its, its breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So... Um, I felt for it, to be honest with you. And uh, I even tried to help it as it was trying to eat the seed bell in the middle of the road. So as I look out my window, it's still there, unfortunately. So we'll have to see if the squirrel goes back. So all of that aside, uh, today's a really, really uh, important uh, moment in the history of this podcast, because what we're going to be doing today... So we're actually going to be talking a little bit about the Nasaga 2023 conference, which is going to be held in St. Louis. Um, and I'm going to leave you on pins and needles just a little bit, because I'm not going to introduce the guest quite yet. Um, but there will be a payoff in the end. Don't worry. So um, Nasaga. I talk about Nasaga a lot on this podcast. So Nasaga, so it's the North... North American um, Simulations and Games Association, and I've been a part of that organization for a number of years now. Um, if I could direct you to a place to get the best information, it would really be the website, so www.nasaga.org. But if I could really kind of concisely explain what that organization is and what we do, imagine a place, a conference, a yearly conference in which you get people from really all walks of life, um, all different sorts of backgrounds. So you get teachers and educators, professors, you get game designers, um, you know, uh, people who write gaming rules. Um, you get people from the corporate world. You get all different types of people from all over the place in one one room. And the thing that brings all of us together is the idea of games and the idea of play and how all of us can use games not just as a means of having fun, which is a really important element um, when it comes to sitting down and playing a game. But what we're really looking for is how do we all sort of grow from those games? And how do we train people? How do we build skills? How do we build empathy? So it's a conference format where this year it's going to be in St. Louis. um, And the whole idea is to come in for the conference for a few days, You know, usually lasts about three. Um, and you'll attend workshops, you'll get a chance to kind of talk to people. And and here we go. This is the whole pins and needles part. Um, you also will get to really hear from like keynote speakers, essentially, like people coming in, like specifically brought in from the organization to come in and, and present something really fun. Um, I have one of those presenters here today. Um, she's absolutely lovely. Um, Chelsea Biteri from Washington University. And I'm going to kind of leave it at that because as you guys know, I'd rather let the guests talk about who they are as opposed to me giving you a bio. So thank you for that really like long-winded intro. But here we go. Chelsea, hi. Hi, Jared. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on. I've been uh, looking forward to this conversation for a few weeks now, ever since we, uh, you know, you know, met via the internet. So, so how's how are things going? Um, yeah, things are good. I feel really engaged in. I live in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. I've been in St. Louis for a year. I moved cool. to St. Louis from Ecuador, which is where I'm originally from, and the process of you know coming to a new space sometimes involves like feeling really uprooted and mm-hmm. questions around belonging and community um come to the forefront but St. Louis has been really sweet and kind to me so I I feel really fortunate in that I've connected with pretty like meaningful spaces and have encountered um pretty amazing people so That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So so you said that you were born in Ecuador. So what what specifically brought you to St. Louis? Oh, I guess love. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, this is a good this is a good thing. Like I, I'm sure that uh all of the gamers and teachers out there that listen to this podcast want to hear about this as much as you'd like to talk about it. No, of course. Um I so I grew up in Ecuador, then I came to the United States to for my undergrad and and I ended up doing an undergrad degree in theater. 
and international development. Mm-hmm. And then I got a master's in community development and planning. And I encountered my the love of my life in that program. So then I brought him with me to Ecuador for like five years. Mm-hmm where I was also engaged in really amazing work. Um, but I've, I've found that I'm much more of like a hummingbird spirit than like mm-hmm. a tree that roots and stays. Um, so I, after being five years back home, it felt important to come to, to the place where he grew up and where he has family. Um, so we decided to move and, and yeah, things have been good. That's awesome. So you work for Washington University as a professor? Um, I'm program coordinator for global studies. So my role is part of it is running a first year program um, that's called like the ampersand program on global citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I run a year long workshop with first year students, um, which is a really generative and exciting space because I have a lot of freedom to bring into the classroom, a lot of the methodologies that I'm passionate about. Um, and students are amazing. So they keep it really interesting and they're passionate and that's just really energizing. Um, and besides that, I support with a lot of like planning, newsletters, um, and and some like community engagement. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's so awesome. That's- so so when you say global citizenship, um, how would you sort of define that? in terms of what you're what you're trying to bring to the students. Mm. Yeah, I guess for me it's striving to cultivate like curiosity, awareness and like empathy towards the world. Um I feel also like instilling senses of like accountability um since we live in a time and in a world that is so complex, right? Like also what students like the youth of now is faced with so many different layers of crisis, right? Like whether it's political, whether it's economic, and then on top of all of that, very existential climate urgency. Um, I think about, okay, like what are what are some of the tools and maybe some of the frameworks that we can that we can work on to maybe reimagine how we interact with the world. Um, so for example, a lot of like the first weeks is a lot of like the self-reflection of thinking about how what is your story like Mm -hmm. where do you come from um what have been the institutions narratives people that have shaped the way that you think about the world so that then we can also make note that we might perceive the world in some way and that's not the only way like there's many ways of living and being and creating knowledge um that that also have been like violently silenced, right? Mm-hmm. So, and from that standpoint, start maybe questioning some things that have been taught to us as normal, like our relationship with the earth and treating the earth as if as if it's a resource and not alive. Um, but for many communities, that's not the case, right? So, um, so we'll do activities like, for example, map where our water comes from. And and what 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 impact does that have when then you think about also the fact that you're made out of like 55, 60 percent water mm-hmm. has been on this earth for billions of years that right now comes from the Missouri River. Like you have the Missouri River flowing through your body, you right. know, so, so it's really it's really exciting to to have like some to and in some ways like bridge academic frameworks with then our lives like how do we integrate this knowledge into the way that we breathe and the way that we um that we walk through our lives rather than it being an like a a, a strictly like mental academic thing to write in a paper right but what 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 is the consequence of that in your living um so so i guess for for me this idea of global citizenship is trying to integrate the things that we're learning um to envision how do we want to be in the world in an intentional and also like honest way. And there's a travel component to what you do, right? Mm, yes. Um, so what does that look like? Well, um, so I get to design at the end of the year, a trip for them. Um, and in the past, different cohorts have gone to the U.S.-Mexico border, for example. Mm-hmm. Um 
But this year I'm taking them to where I'm from, taking them to Ecuador. And I think it'll be, you know, a mix of heartbreak and also like cultivating, I don't know, some hope Mm -hmm. Um, because we're going to start off by going into the Amazon and we're going to hang out with the Union of Affected Peoples by Texaco Chevron, um, where, yeah, we're going to see like the contamination that Mm -hmm. this corporation has left on the Amazon and the deep intergenerational impact that this has caused. So tons of families that multiple members of their family have died to cancer, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and indigenous communities that have been displaced and whose like relationship with their river and with the jungle has had to shift because of, because of like corporate irresponsibility. Right. So so it'll be that. And then we're going to like a natural reserve, um, also pretty deep in the Amazon, but on another part to like learn about how the earth also interacts. Like it's really interesting. Like when we think about nature too, and the relationships that nature has a lot of times, the, the dominant, like, I don't know, framework or image that tends to come to mind is um, survival of the fittest, right? Like nature is brutal yes, um, and it's competing and sure, like not to say that that's not a part of it, but it's not the whole story. So in the Amazon, you'll see also you'll like witness a lot of really cooperative relationships, interspecies relationships. Um, so, for example, there's there's a few trees in the Amazon that have the capacity to absorb humidity when it's like raining a lot. And then in times of of drought, they have these reserves of water in their root systems and they'll release the water to the to the atmosphere right so then you'll see that's like where this fog comes from um and this tree is like feeding the rest of the forest because it's in time of of scarce water right so so there's things like that that are also just you know to go to the places that has the most biodiverse um composition in the planet and also see so much like relationship, I think is pretty sobering. Um, You know, what's really funny. I've been thinking about that word the entire time that you've been talking, because this is some heavy stuff. And Mm -hmm. I would imagine um, it's almost like a, just a very big responsibility for you and for anybody that you're working with in terms of kind of showing this to kids. Because again, something you said really struck a chord with me, like the idea of, you know, it's one thing to be academic. It's one thing to write a very sophisticated paper about some of these topics, right? Or mm-hmm. for example, you know, writing a sophisticated paper about, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine and like what your argumentative stance is on the, you know, the issues. It's another thing to go there and see it, which, you know, that's a heavy thing. Absolutely. So how many students are you taking with you on this on this trip when you go to Ecuador to see all the things you're describing? Um, it's a group of 12 students. Okay. Yeah. Do the students know what they're getting into? Of course. Of That's course. awesome. I've been preparing, you know, like in my, because I, I get to be with them for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me also part of this, yeah, exercise of trying to like integrate our learning to like who we are, like that's. Yeah. That's a lot, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. really vulnerable. So we so we've also incorporated things like, you know, whenever we start a class, we start by breathing and stretching our bodies and like arriving to the space, checking in. Right. Um, we bring in like a lot of like mindfulness. So also, um, and and what's really cool about it is I've done this this semester we have this practice of tool sharing. Mm-hmm. So at the start of every class, someone can share a tool that helps you either like for self-care or helps you go deeper. Um, so we've had people that have shared poems or music right. or guided meditations, you know, but to think about, okay, what are strategies to also tend to myself as I engage with some of this like challenging work? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's like, I, I can imagine, you know, being a teacher, you know, and and talking to the amount of people I've had over the years, you know, there are definitely people who 
are out there like wondering, oh my God, all this mindfulness stuff. I can't believe kids are doing that today. And it's like, you know what? There are always problems that people deal with in their sort of decades, so to speak, you know, from a historical perspective. But I don't know if people realize how hard it is to be a child today. I almost say that to my students on a daily basis, like the amount of things that they are inundated with every single day, whether it's social media or the news or even just like what's going on sort of around them. Um, I don't know if people realize how the value and how important the kind of work that you're doing is. And I hope if anything, you know, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about Nasaga later, but if anything, I hope people that are listening understand um, the breadth of what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it's really valuable. Oh, thank you. I- oh, you don't have to thank me. It's just, I'm just being honest. Like it's, it's very serious stuff, you know, here, I'll give you a quick, because again, um, Again, we don't know each other too well yet, but what you're describing, I was part of a, a program at my last school that was a little bit like what, what you're talking about, where we would sort of study something academically over the course of the year and then essentially bring the students to the place that we were sort of learning about, right? So we took some kids to um, to Israel a number of years ago, and the whole purpose of the trip was to not just get sort of more of like the Israeli government's perspective on the issues there, but also like at the Palestinian perspective as well. And I'll never forget, like, you know, towards the end of the trip, there was actually like an attack near where we were, um, you know, where we were sort of studying towards the end of the trip. And, you know, mortar rounds were sort of going off um, about 10 miles from where we were. And I'll never forget, like, taking the kids to the bomb shelter of the place that we were staying and being like, look, if you hear explosions in the night you've got to go downstairs like this is where you have to go and they looked at me as if this was a sci-fi movie and i just sort of like stopped and i was sort of like yeah guys this is the world like we're not at our school anymore we're in this place and like you know they're and and ultimately it's kind of like it's important to understand the issues that are sort of going on you know and i think that i I can really relate to you know what you were saying regarding like your trip to ecuador because it is going to be kind of like probably a very heavy moment moment for those 12 kids Mm. you know well at the same time i think it's like this contrast of like you know we have this like immense like privilege and power to be able to be there Mm -hmm. learn from it and leave yeah right and we're gonna be interacting with people that like don't have yeah they're not going anywhere right and like And also with people that, for instance, for because I've and I've I've gone, I've led a similar trip um multiple times actually to this yeah. place. And a lot of times we end the day like with this like heaviness, right? Of mm-hmm. like, wow, like this is this is exhausting. Like I'm exhausted just learning about it, right? Mm-hmm. But this organization has been like seeking accountability for i think around 25 years right like there's parents that now their kids are also in it you know like this so i think it's also once again like really sobering and 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 inspiring in a way that i'm not even sure if that like i wish there was another word right because Mm -hmm. inspiring sometimes is like oh my god so beautiful and yes i get it yeah like it's this issue, this, like that dynamic is not inspiring, but people are right. Yeah. Like, the way that they show up and care for one another and care for the land and try to like speak the stories and the songs of the river. Like mm-hmm. that. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so I have a question. Um, how do you find um, kind of, bringing your background in acting in theater and play how do you find that as being sort of like uh almost like a a teaching technique or a tactic that you can use in the kind of work that you do yeah well um i'm trying to think about where to start because i feel there's so many resources, tools, and connections. Well, we have lots of time. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is I incorporate a lot of theater of the oppressed games into my teaching. Um, and so theater of the oppressed was developed by Augusto Boal, who was, um, yeah, like a theater person in Brazil, also in times of like, di- like dictatorships and social movements. Um and 
And his methodologies really come from this idea that we're all actors. Like, so his, one of his like main books is called Games for Actors and Non-Actors. Um, because as we live, you know, as we interact with different people and we go to the library and we go to the bank and we interview for a job and we're hanging out with our friends and we're talking with our parents, we're constantly acting, we're doing, and we behave in different ways. We perform in different, um, in, in different manners. So, um, so when we think about theater and, and his proposal for theater is really a space to rehearse change right a space to maybe try and brainstorm different ideas so that we can live in this world so it's definitely theater of the oppressed is by no means i would never call it a safe space i would call it like a brave space right Mm -hmm. Um, because you're trying to like enact the world and the world is not safe right right so so it's definitely uh like to to facilitate i think one has to like engage with tons of intentionality um, and do a lot of prep work to then dive deep. Um, But some of the games are really fun. Um, And the games serve as metaphors for the world. So for example, a game that I love that I I've done, like it's, it's one of my go-to games. It's called walk stop. And you ask people to like, walk and then stop and stop whenever you say stop so you're like walk stop walk stop um and then you incorporate clap and jump or clap and say your name so you have them do these commands and then you ask them to reverse the commands so whenever i say walk people have to stop and whenever i say stop they have to walk and also with clap and say your name so then as you do this you find people like <laughs> you know it's a struggle just to even like like this focusing really strongly on like, okay, I'm going to change how I engage with this word. And from that game, then after we've played it and we've laughed and we're like, oh, this was hard or we're frustrated. We come back to the circle and we bring up the question of like, okay, like what, what can this teach us about say going to a new culture, going to Mm -hmm. a new context? What can this teach us about making mistakes? Like, how did you respond when you like made a mistake? Oh, you you laughed, right? Like, how can you engage play in and also like and give yourself that grace? How do we think about this when in a in say a process of trying to unlearn things, right? Like we've been instructed in many ways of violence. So as we unlearn them, like it's it takes time and it's a process, right? So so I a lot of these games are in some ways like really helpful tools to explore some themes that might be complex and heavy and messy, but to enter, enter these conversations through play. I think it does, it does a few things. Like one, it definitely brings a sense of like joy and creative energy to our complex, heavy conversation that really is not very common. Like a lot of times when we're talking about complexity, it's very like mind-based, mm-hmm. right? And our creativity isn't very incentivized or welcome into the space. Um, So bringing that energy, I think, is like so refreshing and exciting. Um, And then it also invites your body, right? It's really embodied. So you also feel it. So you're not, you're not only talking about, oh yeah, and like other people or other contexts and other theories, right? But you're talking about how it was for you to try to unlearn something. Right. Then how can we then draw parallels from that moment to say like unlearn patriarchy mm-hmm. and unlearn white supremacy and unlearn, you know, but like there's there's something that we're tapping into your lived experience in a contained way, right? right? Like it's still this play space and we're talking about just these terms that then can make us think about other things, right? So yeah. um, so I feel that I feel that they've been like, yeah, theater of the oppressed games have been powerful guides and friends and um to be able to. In, like not only engage in meaningful conversation and reflection, but also build community in the process. 
because then we end up talking about ourselves and and it's not only about the text right so then right. people people yeah build friendships within that so then you have a community to hold the heaviness you know so yeah so i guess it that's that's where i see yeah the richness and the gift of bringing play into into spaces like these you know yeah. i do and just your the whole idea of unlearning something, how hard that can be, you know? Because I mean, you know, just sort of imagine being, you know, the odd person out or being a person who believes one thing, but everybody around you believes something completely different. And growing up in that kind of environment and then, you know, coming to a course like yours or courses like that, you know, in different parts of the United States and having the tools that you're talking about to kind of unlock that i think is is super super important you know um so let me ask you did these kinds of techniques right so the technique that you're describing here um the game that you're talking about was that something that was intentionally taught to you when you were in school learning theater or was that something more that you learned on your own um yeah no so in school i i had played this game mm-hmm. as in, in you know like when you're in when you're a theater kid, it's also tons of games, like games right. here, games there. But we never had that space of like, what does this mean for the world, right? Like, what does this mean for me? It was more like, okay, let's warm up, right? Like, let's let's wake up and let's make sure that we're present. So we'll do a game to like bring our presence, which it definitely does. But we that was that was the end of the of the discussion, I guess. So I've always been really interested in the intersection between theater, education, or not just theater, but the arts, education, and um, social justice. So after I graduated, I went back to Ecuador and I worked for an organization called Pachaisana, which is two Quichua words that says, that means like bringing balance, like trying to like striving for balance. And part of their work is study abroad, and they do a lot of community-based um, education initiatives. So their mission is to like decolonize education and rethink how we learn, where we learn, who is a knower. Um, so their program is always in communities and syllab- syllabi is constructed in collaboration with communities. So for example, um, we had one course that was like a theater focused course um, but say we did it on gender dynamics in a community because the community wanted that. We did it on relationship with the river, with the like one of the main rivers that goes through the city that is super polluted and used to be considered very sacred. Um, we've done it in relationship with extractive industries, like depending on what communities want, right? So in this in this organization, my my mentor Daniel Bryan, he is. He's also from the U.S., but has lived in Ecuador for like 20 years, I think, almost. Um, and also very like finds himself in very similar intersections and passions than than myself. Um, and through him, I really learned a lot of these techniques because um, I had I had read the books by Augusto Boal. I knew about it. Right. But to really be able to embody it and practice it and. Um, and also do it in context where you have people that are like university students from the United States and communities whose maybe like first language is not Spanish <laughs> um, gotcha. was definitely a big, a big gift. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Those were like my, that, that was my school really. Gotcha. So the, what's student reaction? So like when you, when you sit down and you, I mean, Again, I hope I'm not putting words into your mouth. I'm just sort of listening. Um, it sounds like what you're really doing um, is you're getting kids to engage with topics that they might not otherwise be comfortable engaging with. And what you're doing is you're using play to really kind of like unlock that and really get them thinking. What's their reaction? Like, what do you notice about those students at the end of these kinds of games? Do you find them to be very conversational or quiet or do you know what I mean? Or reflective? Mm. Yeah, I feel in different sessions, it's different with different cohorts. It also feels different. Um, But I think there's like a process, right? Like at first, you know, especially if you're at a university and there's these, 
already like preconceived notions of what a university classroom should be. Sure. Look like. So when you're like, okay, we're going to move the chairs and walk across the space and stop, you know, like people are like, what? <laughs> no, so I do. I know exactly what you solutions. mean. Like, right. What are we doing? <laughs> right. Dude, I have been, I have been dealing with that exact issue for so long where it's the same thing. Like I, I've worked in great schools in my career, but yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I mean, do I like the sound of my voice a little bit? I guess I do. I, I mean, I do the podcast. I'm a teacher. I talk a lot, but ultimately like, you know, the classic model of teaching is like get out, getting up there with your shirt and tie, right? Or your, you know, nice blouse or dress and you just talk for hours. And that's the image. And for me, it's like, that's the worst thing in the world. It's like, I want my kids rolling dice. I want my kids engaging in the material. And sometimes I want them to be engaging and not even know they're engaging, which I find is so powerful with games because they're learning so much. And it's almost like they don't realize how much they learned until it's over. And you have to kind of deal with people walking by your room and like, looking in and seeing what you're doing. So believe me, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I feel that because for me, you know, I think tying it all back to this idea of global citizenship that for me is really grounded in reimagining who we are, accountability, seeing the interconnectedness of the world and how we impact the way, like everything around us. And, you know, like all of these things, I feel that also this moment of maybe discomfort of being mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't like that awkwardness is super healthy. I agree. Especially like also this idea of thinking of like, oh, this is not like this is not as valuable as maybe, you know, the the tie and the suit that mm -hmm. comes in and and just tells you things for you to memorize. Like right. Um, I think especially then taking them to another context where we're going to hang out also with like indigenous elders that also love to storytell, but not in the way that we're used to in our Western minds. Right. Right. Or they're going to go and. And be like told that, yeah, like working the land, like the land is the biggest teacher. Right. And they're gonna be like, what? You know, but if they've already encountered this awkwardness or this moment where they have to like, what is happening? Yeah. And have some tools to ask questions like, oh, like where, where are these thoughts coming from? Right. Like what are the underlying assumptions that I have? Yeah. Right. And if we practice that through games, then it's like a muscle that you can have for life. Yeah. You beat me to the punch, by the way, because it's like that word, like that idea of like using games as a way of teaching people to how how to have conversations. So important, you know, and I know for me, like growing up playing things like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, I never really did theater, though. That's not entirely true. I did it when I was really young. But if I can be honest, um, you know, frankly, like I I kind of quit, like not because I didn't enjoy it. I loved uh, singing and acting and stuff. But it's like, again, we were talking before. It's like when you look around and nobody else is doing that of your gender, it's like, all right, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And so truthfully, like that's kind of how I got away from theater, but I always played D&D. So it's kind of like playing games like that gave me tools to be able to have conversations. You're always taking on a different role, a different part. So then when I became an adult, like, I could talk to anybody, you know, it kind of doesn't matter like who we are. Like there, it's like, it, again, it's like a tool to be able to communicate with other people. So. Cause it also teaches you like empathy, right? Like 100%. something that is so special about being human is that we have the capacity of imagining ourselves otherwise. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I could say, Jared, imagine that you are the Missouri river. And you could like, it might be a little <laughs> yeah. strange, but you're like, okay. And maybe you start moving or I could be like, Jared, imagine that you're a cat. Right. Right. Or like, imagine that you're an elder, like an older, imagine that you are you in 25 years. Right. Yeah. And you can maybe like your body shifts, like that capacity is so special. And I feel once again, for global citizenship, for change for justice for healing just once again like exercising that uh, like that empathy right of like oh like if you can imagine yourself the river because you realize also you're made out of 55 percent water maybe then you care about the health of the river a little right. more and in a way what 
you're talking about also does connect to quote unquote traditional education, right? Because ultimately you sit in a philosophy class or you sit in a history class, the kinds of ways in which you're asking students to think about themselves, people have been doing that forever, right? We, you or me, we just do it in a different way. We ask them to think about things in a different way. So it's like, what you're talking about is, I, I mean, I can hear Taoism in it. I can hear Confucianism in it. I can hear early Christianity in it. So it's like philosophers have been thinking about this stuff for decades, right? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So very cool. My brain hurts a little bit though, Chelsea. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> real, real, but in like pretty exciting ways, right? Agreed. The fact, because then I feel if like this, this, this that we're talking about that is so present in so many different traditions, right? In some ways is like the core of what makes us like human, right? Which is relationship and story and play and imagination. Though, right. you know, creativity, play and imagination have definitely been um, undervalued and depicted as not like not not a not a like adult things are not really helpful things like if something is just creative like why mm -hmm. that is important um so in some ways like reclaiming those spaces and those tools and and finding value in them i think just also helps us live like a richer more fun yeah alive life um so the word fun right and the word play <laughs> which has come up a whole lot today so so here's sort of like the million dollar question. So how did you end up getting kind of like connected with Nasaga? How did you guys sort of get hooked up with the organization? Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So in at Washington University, my supervisor um, was Jeremy Cadell. Ah, uh, yes. In Nasaga for, um, for a while and is very involved and is um, supporting in the planning here in St. Louis. Right leading the planning here in St. Louis. Um, so we definitely like, you know, through our time working together, like always had a lot of exchanges. Cause when you right. find someone that also maybe does a different sort of play or uses games, um, even if it's different than like your methods, but you can connect on like various levels, right? Yeah. Like, just the fact that you enjoy doing education and you find doing education in other ways valuable and um, and finding play to be a, like a helpful tool in a context where that's not the norm. Yeah. It's like, oh, like we see each other. Yeah, know? no, for sure. So um, I feel like we have to gossip a little bit about Jeremy. I don't feel too bad about this just because he's going to come on to the podcast eventually. But awesome. um, Jeremy's wicked smart. Mm. He'd like I, the first time I met him, I was just very curious about him. Like he's led this wild life, and obviously, I'm not going to talk about every element of that, right? Because he's not here on this call. But ultimately, like, what a, a wonderful guy! Um, you know, I've I, I've spent many an many an hour with him, like sharing cabs or just sort of talking, and uh, in a way, like he he was a big connecting piece for me as well when it comes to the organization because he was one of the first people I met. So. Um, so it's, so, so yeah, let's back up. So where, where, like describe your first encounter with Jeremy. Like, I guess, was it when you got your job with the school? Was that the oh, first time you actually met him? It was actually my interview. Oh I was God. You, wait, he interviewed you. What yeah. was that like? Um, well, the interview, it was, it was good. Like yeah. it was, you know, but, but also interviews of, are nerve wracking, right? So, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I'm like all, all nervous. My hands are sweating. Um, and yeah, he was asking me, I remember like a bunch of questions. Yeah. About like my methods, my, my perspectives, right. Um, what I would do with say like such a space as the global citizenship course. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it was like, I, I, yeah, I just remember being like, wow, like this person is like, like legit listening to me too. Right. Cause yeah. sometimes you go to an interview and there's like the, like the number of questions that they'll ask you that they're asking everyone. Yeah. Right. Um, but then like Jeremy would ask me questions relating to like answers that I had, like questions that I'm sure weren't in the script, you know? So I feel, I feel for me, that was my first perspective. That's cool. Of like, of like wow. Okay. This person is like listening, curious and engaged. Um, and then what was really mine, like nerve wracking was, 
I had parked right to like do the interview. Mm-hmm. I lose my parking ticket. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> like damn, I just did a great interview, and now I have to go and tell them that I need help. Right, that's help. funny. I've done that before. I did that at a concert once, actually, and I had to like explain to the people like I I'm a huge like metalhead. So my buddy and I had gone to see a band in 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 New York City and. Yeah, like I lost the ticket and had to like explain to the people like at the gate what my car looked like. And they were asking me all kinds of questions that I didn't know answers to. It's pretty funny. So I get it. So wait, so wait, we have to stop for a second. Did you how did how did you get out? Like what what ended up happening? Well, I called Jeremy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you called Jeremy. And Jeremy, by the way, if he was a secret agent at some point in his life, I would believe it. And I'll leave it at that yeah. for our listeners. Yeah. So yeah, so Jeremy steps in. <laughs> and he, I guess he like also parked in the parking lot where I used to stay. So he right. used like his parking device to yeah. be able to let me out. But then he had trouble getting out himself. <laughs> you know? So yeah. it was also just really like kind and yeah. gave me a lot of grace. They gave me the job. I was like, oh my God. Did you think and you he- weren't going to get it? I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I was like, oh, what a bummer. You know, right. what, a, what a way to make an exit. Yeah. But you know what? It's we're talking about it now. So it's clearly memorable, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And also the fact that I think for me, because also when you interview someplace, I definitely believe that they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them. Mm-hmm. So also the grace that he gave me of being like, yeah, don't worry. Like, this is human. Like, these things happen. Yeah. You know, like, I'm like, I want to work with someone like that. Yeah. Recognizing that I'm human and that things like this happen and we are imperfect and there's, and that's okay. Right. Right. Like to me, that was also um, a really good sign of like, okay, this is probably a place where I could work. Yeah. That's great. So do you, do you foresee, even though this might be a tricky question, I hope it's not, but like, I mean, it, the so the role that you're in, like, do you see this role as being something that could be like very long lasting, like, you know, your relationship with the school or is it more like because I know sometimes positions like this, they might be only like a two year program, like a two year kind of like gig, I guess you could say. So so what's what's your plan, I guess? You know, right now I'm definitely I in figuring it out. Um, okay, I gotcha. I could probably do this for one more year, maybe mm-hmm. two at the most. Um, and at, before I was thinking that I maybe wanted to pursue a doctorate in geography. Sure. I feel like geographers are human geographers. I'm such a like I fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I'm I'm not sure that that's the way. Once again, yeah. because this question of play, I'm like, but is there room for that? In this. In that field, you mean? In that field, in the pursuit of a doctorate. Like, I'm not exactly sure. So I'm during the summer, I'm going to Ecuador with the students. Mm -hmm. And I have another gig with a Jesuit school in San Francisco. And I'm taking students to the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm -hmm. And then I'm coming back to St. Louis. And during the summer, I'm hoping to be doing some work with the prison education program. Mm -hmm. on story like storytelling storytelling um one credit course um so i'm hoping that the summer will give me maybe some more like perspective yeah and i'm really thinking about it as like a space of discernment to think about where like what are my next steps yeah well let um, me tell you if you're if you're trying to think on where the idea of play kind of fits in with human geography. I know that, and again, I said this at the very beginning of the podcast. I mean, you're going to be presenting at the saga. Um, You know, you'll trust me, if you're thinking about that as a potential career path, there will be plenty of people for you to talk to. Because again, for our listeners out there, what I want you to imagine is I want you to imagine a hundred people at a conference, all from different sort of walks of life, all who incorporate play into the things that they do. So you'll have plenty of you know people to talk to. And on that note, by the way, and again, I, I understand if you don't want to talk about it yet, but um, do you have a plan? Like, you know, do, do you have a plan for what you want to talk about at the conference, or or are you not willing to discuss yet? 
Uh, no, I, I, I don't have yet like a, a, a defined structure, but I more than talk, I'll probably facilitate. Things yeah. Awesome. And process, you know, so that, cause I feel that those spaces also like the tools, Yeah, you know, like in some ways, like the tools, yeah, I don't want to talk about play with then out with then not play. Right, right. right? There's nothing so, worse than that, actually. Like yeah. it's it's like it's like going here. You know what? I I again, if you haven't been to Nasaga before, the best thing about Nasaga is there's nothing worse than like going to like a conference somewhere. And like the whole point of the talk that you're at is about how lecture format is so debilitating for students. And then you're there for an hour and a half listening to a lecture. So yeah, like I, I would be excited. Like everything you've talked about so, so far would be so much fun to do in person. You know, some of the theater games and the game, you know, the, um, the game of the oppressed that you were talking about earlier. I mean, that sounds like could be really rewarding for people to engage with. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I hope to to bring some of like, some theater strategies, some like creative work, because also I'm I'm a big um, proponent for, yeah, some spaces where we're in big groups and then go to little groups, work yeah. on this project, learn from one another, then like share back to the community. So it'll probably be a process like that of that's awesome. Sharing a little bit of background, practicing, warming up, having some other activity that people work on, and then. Um, and then coming back to share and and reflect like a, like a harvest, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's awesome. So um, I have like one kind of like one more question for you. So, um, so you've talked a lot about play in terms of your job and your sort of profession, right? Do you find that you play like games or things like that um, for fun? Like, is that something that you do? And by the way, if you don't, it's completely fine. Yeah, no, I do. I so what do you what are you into? Like, what do you like? <laughs> um well i love like so games in general correct yes oh yeah you can talk about whatever you want yeah no i love Catan, for example oh yeah that's like the best <laughs> very competitive Catan player yes <laughs> um there's a game from back home that's called guarenta it's a card game that oh cool what is that it's so it has tons of random rules like mm -hmm. You know, like if you have three cards of the same number, you get two points and you say like those por guapa or like two because I'm cute. <laughs> um, you know, like it's one of those games that it has some like logic to it. But then there's also all of these other rules that don't necessarily make sense, but still makes it so much fun and very grounded in like the context that it was made. Yeah. So the city that I was born in. Um, so when it's like the parties or the celebration of the city, like there's tournaments. And um, so also I find, yeah, that's just that that's pretty special. Um, yeah. I, I threw actually this Friday a community spring celebration where we played Capture the Flag. Mm -hmm. um, and they also entertained me with like doing some theater of the oppressed games at the beginning. Gotcha. That's fun. I was running it, so I was like, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that sounds great. And backing up, yeah, Catan is funny. So you're a serious Catan player. Like, do you change? Like, does a different part of you come out? Like, when you pick up those two dice to, to, to roll for, you know, supplies and such? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel, you know, because, like, as we've been speaking, right, I'm very mm -hmm. much, like, ecology of knowledges and interconnection and reciprocity. Yes. And Catan is a space where my like evil capitalist <laughs> like right like if you don't bargain with me, I'm gonna like block your resources. No, but you know it's very true, right? Like I we're we're kind of joking around here, but it is true though. Like that is one of the best things about games is like you can entertain some of those other sides of oneself, knowing that it's a game. You know what I mean? Like I am again. I, I want to just be, I want to be careful here, but I mean, generally speaking, like I'm sort of like the, the, the teddy bear type of person, like, you know, I wouldn't harm a fly, but you know, I have certainly been known to run like some really like sort of dark, like vampire, the masquerade games or Dungeons and Dragons games, but it's like, you get to entertain or access that part of yourself. So it doesn't come out in real life, you know? So, so it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's okay to be a little bit of a evil capitalist in Catan because that's kind of what the game is about, right? Yeah. So. And then it's, you have that space, it's contained, it can live, right? Um, 
And then you also know it, like, you know how it feels. So even right. if it pops up in your life, you're like, oh, wait. Yeah. That's my Catan self. Like, yeah. And you can, pro- yeah. And you we'll can professionalize <laughs> that. Yeah. And you can professionalize that on some level too. I mean, I've done that a million times, like where, you know, we do have like a heady conversation about something like Catan where it's like, yeah, how did it feel when all you were trying to do was make your way in the world and like somebody cut your road or somebody bamboozled you? It's not a good feeling. And like, again, like it does breed like interesting conversation. So, you know what I mean? Um, Chelsea, this was really fun, by the way. I just have to tell you, this was a, a really fun podcast to do. And I'm I'm really looking forward. Um, I'm like 99.9% sure I'll be there in St. Louis. But um, it was so much fun talking to you. Same. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. I feel no, like absolutely. energized and inspired and ready to play. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. So there, you will be able to do plenty of that, um, you know, at the Nasaga conference. And I guess here's my, fi- my final thought. So let's say... Um, Because we get a lot of listeners um, uh, that listen for different reasons, you know? So if there are students out there, if there are people that are thinking about, like, where to go to school or thinking about programs like yours, um, if somebody wanted to learn about more about what you do specifically, like, how would they find you? Like, would would they go to, like, Washington University's website or, or what? Um, yeah, the Washington University website for now is is a great space. Okay. I'm working on building a website. So hopefully by the time of the conference, I'll have something up there to um, promote some of the different workshops that I do. Whether oh, yeah. It's theater, radical imagination, storytelling. Um, but that's definitely a work in progress. Oh, you need to so do for that. Now, Washington University is the place. Yeah, no, no. I, I But you should definitely do all of that because mm-hmm. ultimately, like, you know, when I think about, like, it sounds like a workshop run by you would be really fun. Like, I could totally see my students being totally into having those kinds of conversations and playing those games. So, I mean, like, if that's something you haven't thought about or it sounds like you are thinking a little bit about, I think that that's like a no-brainer for you to, like, you know, put yourself out there, you know? I find the people that should put themselves out there often don't, <laughs> you know? So it's like... Don't be that person, Chelsea. Get get your name out yeah. there and, and get doing some workshops, you know? Thank you for the encouragement. Yeah, I, no, I try. You can I, see I the teacher in me, right? <laughs> All right. Well, Chelsea, like I said, uh, this was really, really fun. Um, so thanks for coming on. And I'm sure we'll uh, connect again in the future. Sounds great. Thank you. All Jay. right. Talk to you later, Chelsea. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's 20-sided gamified podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org. My Instagram handle is HMGS underscore NextGen underscore Inc. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank you so much.